0: Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Cleantechnica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. This episode of Clean Tech Talk is sponsored by Flow, the maker of the Flow Home X5. The Flow Home X5 is an industry-leading home EV charging solution that features a stylish and durable aluminum casing and allows you to schedule, monitor, and optimize your charging via the Flow mobile app. Flow offers 24-7 customer support to help with installation and troubleshooting. To learn more about the Flow Home, please visit store.flow.com. That's store.flo.com.
1: We are here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, and today we're talking with Nathan Yang, Chief Product Officer at Flow, an EV charging leader. Nathan, welcome. Thank you
2: for having me, Kevin. I'm really looking forward to the conversation
1: today. Thanks. I'm Zachary Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica, chief editor and podcaster. But we have a, a few different hosts who interchange on Clean Tech Talk. So today, obviously, we're talking about EV charging stations, EV charging development. I have a lot of questions for you, especially as a chief product officer. You know, I, I figured I can get into some weeds that I really like to hear more about. So to start off, though, let's could you give us a picture of your customer breakdown at the moment in terms of type of customers? So single-family residential, multifamily residential, commercial, retail, commercial office, government, nonprofit. How do you? How does your customer base currently? break down with your EV charging stations?
2: Yeah, our, our, our customer base is pretty broad and diverse. You know, we we cater to the single family residential, to the multifamily residential, to the commercial, to, to all, everything that you just described, Zach. Um, I would say um, what's interesting is the geographical distribution um, of those customers. And if you look at the Northeast, it's a lot of um, more of the multifamily type residential uh, units. Whereas if you go to the rest of Canada and the, the rest of the United States, it's more single family. Um, you know, the average house is about twenty five hundred square feet, so they typically have dedicated parking. Um, you know, and they, they charge that way. So it's, it's pretty. I would say it's pretty broad range. We, we cover it all. What is uh, another way to look at it too is um, that's interesting. Is how you charge is somewhat dictated by. Uh, the state of the, the the EV driver. If you're sleeping, you know, obviously you're charging a little bit longer because you're normally your car is parked for, for that period of time um, versus when you're awake, you're either transiting between location or you're at a destination. And we recover we all those way of viewing the segments uh, as well. So we serve them all.
1: So there's no specific one or two markets that sort of take up the majority of your business. It's sort of spread... Yeah,
2: it's just pretty spread across where we're, right now we're, we're getting a lot of demand on our residential chargers, because of course the new EVs are coming out and the new EV buyers are, when they're looking for a car, they're also looking for, hey, you know, what kind of charging arrangement I might have at home, uh, usually overnight charging. Uh, so that's there. Because of the longer battery ranges, that also means that people are more comfortable road tripping now <laughs> than ever. And so they'll, they'll uh, you know, and of course, when you're road tripping, you are relying on the Public chargers, or, or the, the chargers on uh, next to highways. If you're, if you're going a longer distances, so we're seeing you know demand and increasing usage of those as well. Yeah, so we're, we're seeing pretty much across the board at this point. Cool.
1: And this is sort of a basic question, but it, it came into my head when thinking about interviewing you, and I'm curious what your response is. So the EV market has you know changed tremendously in the past decade. You know the, the range of EVs is tripled or something tripled quadrupled while the costs have come down but one thing that's and and, you know so ev charging fast fast charging stations have gone from 50 kilowatt to 100 to 350 you know it's been a huge uh, change in what the ev fast charging market looks like but steady across the whole past decade is the popularity of level two chargers at homes and and destination hotspots like shopping centers restaurants coffee shops hotels why has the level two charging market held so steady and and so, so firm. And I guess maybe you can also, if you want to contradict me and say it hasn't, it's, it's changed a lot. We'll get into that as well, but, but just overall as, as, you know, level two charging has just, it's always been level two charging. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's an interesting question. I think there's a, there's a, there's a couple aspects of it. One of them is um, level two chargers, you know, you, you were talking about diving into details in a way that I mean, it, it's a little bit like a, like a garden hose and and a, and, a, and a faucet at the end of it. It's not very complicated. It's, it's AC power that, that you're taking from the grid and your house and you're putting it into the car. So there are, they're not complicated. They're highly reliable. There's, there's not a whole lot of moving parts except for the connector itself that you plug into the car and, and unplug, connect and disconnect. So they're not very complex. There's not a lot of moving parts. So they're they're, they're rock solid, reliable generally. Also level two chargers, because they're just passing the AC power power to the car they're smaller they're cheaper they're lower power and so they're easier to install and deploy so a lot of locations or homes or you know you were describing destinations like a coffee shop or a shopping mall or even a movie theater those are easy to, to install and they don't require a, a complete overhaul of the power coming into your building right because it's 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 level two and i would say the other the other aspect that, that's kind of interesting is especially in destinations charging at destinations, it, it helps provide a more complete experience. Because generally when, when you charge your car, car ranges are at the point where by the time you need to charge your car, you probably need to give your, your body and your mind a break, a <laughs> bio break, you know, eat something or, or do something. And so it's just very conducive to, you know, a coffee shop or a restaurant or, or you know something like that. And more and more people are products and 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 are 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 more geared towards delivering experiences. Like you you had the phase where products were built to serve a purpose. And then you had the whole service industry that came out around such as servicing cars and things like that. And then now it's all about staging experience, right? Even when you go to a dealer to get your car serviced or uh, when you park to get charging, you you expect a level of experience. And it's the holistic experience, not just the, the purpose of charging your car and so that, that whole thing, you know, that's probably why Tesla, you know, trademarked the Tesla name for a restaurant even <laughs> recently. And yeah. they were talking about uh, of doing that. So it's so clearly, clear, I think, you know, the experience of owning a, an EV is not just the EV, the electrical aspect and a more sustainable aspect uh, or the zero to 60 range. It's the whole experience, including when you're charging, you're expecting that, the whole experience. And again, level two chargers, just easier to, to deploy, simpler, more reliable. And at those destinations, you can augment that experience with other things, which you know, I think all drives a level two uh, adoption there.
1: Yeah, it's sort of been, I guess, a lucky thing about the EV market is it's always just plugged in like a Lego block between our our normal lives and EV driving where you don't have to yeah, upgrade stuff. You don't have, so it's like, I, I like the hose and faucet analogy. I, I, <laughs> we haven't had to upgrade how a hose and faucet work for a long time because it just, you know, they work, they plug in. But so as you were getting to, I think, you know, Although the, the, the charging power and sort of utilitarian side of it has been a steady feature of the last decade, level two EV charging stations have evolved uh, quite a bit as well with especially the user experience. What, and, uh, what have been some top requests that you've received over the years and improvements you've made in the past few years to, to yeah, make the, your level two stations better?
2: Maybe I'll separate between residential and commercial and public. As we talked about earlier, we, we cover sort of both worlds in, in, in level two charging. In residential, we we have a lot of requests about not just providing the charger itself, but the structure on which it's installed in. So sometimes you have a parking, you know, it's a parking lot, and, and you want a, some, some sort of pole to be able to, uh, you know, hold uh, the the actual, uh you know physical object of the charger um other times um they want to blend into the environment you know they're, they're mounting on a concrete wall or they have a super modern house or a, or a more of a spanish tile type design house and they want the product to to blend in so there's design things that they ask for cable management is actually a big thing too people are you know you probably see i'm sure uh the, the listeners and and uh they see the, the posts of like a retractable cable apparatus to help, you know, bring the cable or, or a way to, to snake the cable to store the cable. So we get a lot of those kind of requests, right? The, the design, the what you're mounting in the cable management for residential. The other thing where we're, where we're getting more and more asks for residential also is the connected home aspect. They say, hey, you, is, there, is your charger compatible with Alexa or HomeKit or, you know, a Google home or things like that? And that that's a little bit more complicated because on, on one side, uh, you know, we would have to support, of course, the, the, the EV charger manufacturers and providers, but then the, the ecosystems are also not quite ready. So in HomeKit, you don't have that.
1: Charger. Yeah, that's an interesting because, you know, I feel like, I mean, I have to be honest, it's not my, not my beat, not my thing, so I'm not really. But I feel like a few years ago, this was like a sort of novel whiz-bang kind of, oh, that's cool tech option and now it seems like a lot of normal people just have it and it's part of their life uh, these kind of systems i'm still uh, you know i i'd just rather sim- keep it simpler so i'm not <laughs> one of uh, you know there's enough i have enough apps on my phone i have enough connections but it is interesting that you're seeing that you're seeing that basically in your with your customers as well that kind of request
2: yep yeah and it's the same same things that uh, that drive the connected home that drives them to aspirate the ev charters they they, they want peace of mind Usually, to put a mm-hmm. camera in the house just to make sure that you know your pets are alive and your house is still yeah. there, right? Uh, so, good peace of mind. But there's also a level of we are all inherently lazy. I think we, we choose the path of least resistance. So, we want to be able to control thermostat without you know getting out of your couch or you know turning on and off lights. I really think it's similar thing for for EV chargers. They want to make sure that the charger is operating fine. That, that you know nothing is going out of um, out of band. There, they want to be able to see maybe what's going inside the garage and just to make sure that the cars are.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we were we were in Europe for a month and a half recently, and uh, yeah, I stuck a specifically stuck a camera in the garage, staring at the <laughs> exactly. car, you know, and check on it once in a while to make sure you know, well, yeah. nothing crazy happened. But uh, so, what could you say? What your top three to five improvements you've made in the past few years are to your stations? So, for, to... for
2: us, because we we come from the northeast, uh, you know, we're 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 a, we're a Canadian company that uh, that originated out of Quebec. Our robustness and ruggedness is, is key. I mean, the ice, the snow, the, and obviously our are, are can be installed outside and, and they are very often installed outside. So the ruggedness um, is, is key. Outdoors is not just the weather, but it's it's, it's people <laughs> sometimes. Somebody drives their car and bumps into something or, you know, so ruggedness is definitely the top thing. And, you know, we, we, we continue to try, to try to improve that. Uh, cable management is, is another big challenge, um, you know, in, in the EV charging space. Um, and so people, a lot of sometimes, the, especially off, you know, EV chargers, the locations of the EV chargers are often not attended by people, or, or service people or, or, you know, an attendant. So they're not watched by somebody and so people tend to be i guess less careful <laughs> with the software so they won't you know snake the cable back in you know a gas pump usually you have staff there so you know they put the gas pump back in uh but you know you charge for some reason it, it doesn't quite happen as much so try, trying to make sure that we design pro- the product in a way to make sure that the, that the guests sort of the charger when they plug the connector back in so that the next person can, you know, come in and use it. So cable management and, and, and connector management is, is another big one. And the other thing is trying to simplify the user experience for the end user. Um, I, I keep using the term experience a lot, but uh, right now EV charging is still not quite at the point where, you know, it, it induces more anxiety than say finding a gas pump to, to fuel a, your, your combustion engine car. And so that, experience that's is
1: good. I, th- I think I saw at some, some point a couple of years ago that the things that make people happiest in money are not products they buy, but experiences they have. So it's a good good thing to focus on. So, uh, Well, I, I'm going to jump to, since you sort of focused on that a little bit, jump to one of those issues. So I'm not going to lie. I, you know, when we moved, well, I'm from Florida, but my, my wife is from Europe. So when we moved here or I moved back a few years ago, we had a lot of new charging stations in the area that I was like wow this is great they're all over they're wonderful they're so nice and I've been really disappointed with the durability and long-term design of them they're not flow I don't we don't have, have any flow ones in in my vicinity but particularly like some of them are 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 broken or or unusable or or almost unusable like i had took a picture yesterday of a station where the screen is so degraded you can't see the the screen like the the plastic on front is so warped and and fuzzy you can't see anything on the screen so i'm curious to hear a little bit more about what you do to maximize long-term durability and reliability of stations to to avoid you know really nice new stations being really bad a few years later
2: yeah, uh, I mean, it, it sort of goes back even to the to the level two chargers. Level two chargers are simple, so less things are to break. But when you when you go to those DC fast charge uh, chargers, and they have well, a these scooter.
1: these are all level two. I'm talking oh, these about. These are level two. On yeah, yeah, these are all level two <laughs> stations. I'm not going to say whose, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're you know uh, they're branded.
2: Yep. Uh, the, the the screens are, are notorious. So, you know, speaking from flow, and I think a lot of, it's not just us, other, other, there's some other industry players do it too, but you have to choose components that are optimized for outdoors and, and for these kind of environments, right? And just like if you want to send something into space, you have to have electronics and components that, that can withstand the radiation and, and the space environment. So one, of course, choosing the components and choosing things and, and build it in a way that, that is designed for that kind of use, either, the freezing ice cold in Canada, or the hot and humid uh, Floridian weather, right as an example. So that's one. The other one is to test the thing um, to the level uh, and 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 to the level where the product is going to be installed. So if you know that your product is going to be installed, to use like again extreme the, the hot and humid versus the ice cold, test in those environments and, and make sure that when you do the assembled and finished product that it also survives those environments and then so that's just the pure hardware aspect then you have the whole servicing and monitoring aspect that a lot of i think the ev driver doesn't see but for most things that work really well they're serviced or monitored like a gas station typically has an attendant and the Somebody rips off a gas pump cable, right? Uh, the hose, and then they see it and they'll go replace the hose. And the same thing with, with, with telecommunication. Your cell phone tower works because it's monitored. And if something goes bad, you know, the AT&T, Verizon, whoever knows to send somebody to, to do it. And so we do the same thing. Um, uh, and, and there are companies out there that, that do it as well, where you would monitor, you monitor your system. And when you, when you notice something is not, you know, sometimes you go to a charger and it's not quite charging as fast. It's probably because something is worn inside. One of the five power modules or six power modules are down. So your speed is not there. Well, you can monitor that. You can find out, oh, one of the six, 12, five, two power modules is down. I should send a tech to replace it right, and, and investigate what's the problem. So monitoring service is, is really important. And unfortunately, some chargers are installed in places that are there's nobody there looking at it, monitoring it. And so they they, they fall to this you know, use. And the last thing I would say is and that's something as an industry we need to get better at is today, if you're vertically integrated and you develop and you build everything, you control everything, you have the luxury to deliver a better experience to the customer. So at Flow, if I use us as an example, we build the chargers themselves. We have a cloud service in the back end to monitor them. We have a mobile app for users to try to find those chargers. And so when somebody calls our phone number 1-800 and say, hey, this charger doesn't work, we, we're on the hook to fix the problem because everything is part of us. The challenge is when, for example, we sell our charger and it's on a different network, or we connect a third party charger onto our network, our EV charging network. Then, you know, the person calls and you're like, wait, is it, is it the APIs that are not working in the backend in the cloud? Is it the charger itself that's not responding? Is it the app that's not gonna, you know, then, then, and then unfortunately in those situations, there's a lot of finger pointing, there's a lot of investigation, and it takes longer, frankly, to solve a EV driver's problem or fix a charger. And so it's a, there's multiple elements uh to it but if you do everything well uh from the hardware to the monitoring the servicing and also to how you integrate the different components together and it's obviously easier if you're, it's all from one vendor but it's maybe not beneficial for a particular um, consumer uh, or a customer then that's how you would get to a, a future where users are operating well right performant and you don't have that anxiety of what if i show up and this will work right or,
1: yeah, I don't I don't want to put you too too hot on the spot here, but I'm curious. Then could you say, are you are you the most vertically integrated EV charging uh, company you know, or just one of one of the most? And there's a handful that are similar kind of level of vertical integration?
2: Yeah, we there, there are other providers like that that are very that are vertically integrated. Flow, we are one, you know, charge point is another and that, that you know offers the, the hardware, the cloud and mobilization and others. And others you will see on the road when, when you when you approach the charge, it's labeled, you know, something, but then it looks very similar to somebody else's.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then
2: you know that. Okay. You know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then, then you know, and and, and to, to the credit, the industry is getting better. So we're standardizing the protocol, for example, between the charger and the cloud service. And then those, those are called charge point operators is the service that, that, that operates them. And then, you know, the chargers. And there's a OCPP as a standard protocol that goes between them. And when you have a standard protocol, the idea is that you can swap out the chargers and theoretically it should behave the same way, right? Uh, you still have to do testing to make sure that it actually happens, but that could, that, that, that should help. And then in fact, it's getting there. So, you know, in the next few years, you're gonna see more and more standardization. And when those protocols are standardized between the different parts of the, the, the EV charging backend and hardware, you should also see that the, the end result for the customer is more reliable and better experiences as well.
1: That's a really useful explanation. I I think vertical integration is one of those topics that sort of have gotten really popular because Tesla has popularized it with people mm-hmm. who follow you know co- historically maybe follow consumer tech and but not deep manufacturing issues. And it's clearly something Tesla did a lot in the auto industry to. Yep. Basically to survive, uh, and it's and it's it's gotten a lot of prey, a lot of people are really into it now for that reason. But the way you're talking about it, and and the way I was thinking about it a moment ago is, it's sort of like when you have a new industry or fast changing industry, it seems like vertical integration should help a ton to solve the problems you you said could pop up. When you're a very mature industry like the auto industry was before, you know, then you know the more you can outsource, it's all standardized, it's it's cheaper, you know. It, it, so it's an interesting thing I hadn't really thought about in regard to Tesla or others is that you know it, it depends on the phase of the industry. So just like with autos, electric autos, EV charging stations seems like you really you sort you you really need to be as I mean, quite vertically integrated right now. Otherwise, you have all these horror stories, especially in Europe of. Of um, just lack of compatibility and things.
2: Yeah, to your point. I mean, that's why Tesla in Europe and and Elon Musk announced on Twitter that he was going to open up by the charges even in North America, and and so that yeah. means suddenly that. Tesla will probably have to be compatible with these standard protocols, right? And, and then what does that mean for the future? So, uh, yeah, it, it's I think I think your your observation is very much on point.
1: Well, I think I just pulled it out of your comments, but, but they were <laughs> really, really good for explaining that to me. Uh, so, yeah, so we've talked about c- customer experience a bit in different ways here there's just wide variety in customer experience with charging stations. Some have like no interaction with the, with the consumer. You just plug, unplug there. You know, some are much more integrated with your life like with apps and much more extensive touch screens. How does your station user experience team work to, you know, try to make the user experience as smooth, easy, and enjoyable as possible? What's sort of the process for continually improving on those things, yeah,
2: the the the, um, the cool the call cool, I I push my product team and my design team and my development team to to think about the the jobs to be done of a product. You know Clayton Christensen, the, the, the professor at uh, unfortunately passed away last year, at the, I believe. But uh, oh, he did.
1: He, I don't think I, I don't think I saw that. Yeah,
2: yeah he, he passed away. Month. Um, yeah, um, sad, but. Yeah, you know, I, I looked up to a lot to his writing and 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 uh, you know the jobs to be done. And when when somebody approaches a, a Nivi charger, the job to be done is to charge their car. And so everything you can do in the experience to try to get out of the way of that, um, you know, it, it's important. And you know, we're we're the some of the chargers that the connectors are not the easiest thing to handle, as an example, for, for all demographic and all users user interfaces themselves there's a wide range of them you, you see the ones that are done very well which helps the user accomplish their tasks and move on and others uh, i had a i had a uh, an ex-colleague um, who was driving from austin to houston and um, on a, one of the ev chart it was raining that day and then uh, when they were trying to charge they couldn't because it requires a touchscreen interaction and there was water on the screen and they just you, you just couldn't charge <laughs> It just it just didn't work, and so um, you know you, you obviously charges are installed outdoors. Obviously, there's going to be rain, so you have you have to think about you know how 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 can you in, ensure that level of experience? And I think, yeah, I think there's that, yeah.
1: I was, there's a big fast charging network all over the U.S. that my my mom was using for road trips from Florida to North Carolina back in a in a 2015 BMW i3 Rex, and the screens you couldn't really see on the screen when it was sunny so it was like a oh, great yeah. network you know big new network but then it was like so hard to see and she kept bringing it up it like like i just i can't see what's on the screen and then you're having other errors cuz they are new and and sort of can't trouble you have to get on a phone and it takes half an hour so it's fun it's i mean it's people put in not really funny people put in so much money to develop develop something great and then a, a thing like water or sunlight can be such a problem yeah so sorry to interrupt but it was just uh, yeah similar kind oh, yeah. of
2: and, and we, we hear, the, we see and hear these horror stories all the time, right? And, and, um, and another angle that maybe will help your listeners or, or could another approach that will help our industry as a whole is also to say, well, let, let's address all the users with disabilities as well. Because if we addressed a person who, for example, can't see, that would have probably solved your mother's situation, where the screen. <laughs> See, as an example, uh, colorblindness is another great example. Where if you design your product or your interface to be used by for for, for, for people that are users who are colorblind, it actually helps from readability from a ten foot distance as well, right? And so, usually, when you design for uh, diversity and for uh, users with disability, you actually benefit everybody, and that's another I think aspect that as an industry we we can do a better job at.
1: I like that. I like that push, you know, when, when we design a- anything for diversity, it seems like whether it's ecological, economic, uh, technical, it's, it tends to help help everyone. That's a really good point. So uh, let me see. one interesting thing, too, and so I, I mentioned it earlier, you know, in the past five years alone, you know, l- range on electric vehicles has gone up tremendously, maybe tripled or so uh, while cost has come down. I was talking to a city manager who was uh, re- responsible for the EV charging stations here and they were going to start charging for on all these free stations they have and then they saw a big drop in 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 use in like 2000 uh, when the Model 3 came out basically when the Model 3 got real popular because it was like you know people didn't need to charge in public so much anymore so can you speak a little bit to you know how that 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 changed EV market with longer range uh, vehicles how how that's changed your own products or your work or or any of your you know planning perhaps even
2: well f- first, I think um, th- there's there's clear hardware implications to having these with longer ranges because typically they operate they can charge at higher voltages and a higher currents and higher power. and so what that means is that you know um, you know you have the chargers themselves need to be able to deliver power at a higher voltage and a, and a higher current and so that for things like DC fast chargers that has clear implications right now. We saw the Porsche Taycan, I think it's 800 to 1000 volt type chart level of charging, you know, not all chargers today supports that. Right. And so that's something that obviously as a manufacturer of, of electric vehicle, EVSEs and EV chargers that we, we have to look at. So your point is interesting the, the way you formulated a question, you said, well, because the battery are longer range, it's just probably a decline in, in demand for charging or, you know, Charging going to um, you know, Tesla superchargers and and but what we've seen is that actually with the longer ranges it did not reduce in fact if anything it increased the utilization of all of our chargers in dense urban areas and also in remote areas and I think you know if you have a longer range you, you have less anxiety and so you're more willing to do road trips maybe at, at further distances and so you know our our more remote chargers are are used more than ever and so in, in that regard is really pop, you know it's a I think the industry is going in the right direction. And then the, the other aspect is even in dense urban areas, I think you know, there's just longer range, more people buying EVs. <laughs> more EVs are, I think overall it's just helping. It's not, it's not actually reducing anything more.
1: Yeah, well that was I mean it was very it took a moment to figure out what was going on because, you know, he was saying they were, they were getting a lot of use and they were going to start charging for it and then the use dropped off and it took a while to realize that it was, you know, basically people had gone had upgraded from, you know, 70 80 mile Leafs to where they basically needed to charge every time they went to the mm-hmm. to the downtown or the store or the beach to cars where they could just charge at home and not have to but but as you said there's you know, way bigger market now a lot more opportunity to go places you couldn't go before so overall it, it makes sense that the, there would be greater demand and so the longer range cars haven't really changed much about your your products or or where they're offered it's, no and,
2: and i would say like the other thing is that you know the, the previous evs are still running on the road yeah, generally these are quite reliable so, so they're still there and then yeah, you know you know if we want to really make a dent in global warming and really drive, uh, you know, trend reduction carbon emissions and things like that, we, we you, you, ha- you have to be able to offer vehicles for all demographic and all users. That also means that it's, you know, it should not only be a Model S long ranges with over 400 mile ranges. We should have a broader selection of vehicle at different price points. And so invariably that will mean that you will have cars with shorter ranges that may be more affordable and, and those were to have a different charging profile, right? Uh, than, than the longer ranges. So I think all in all, you know, sustainability is, is a tough one because as we as you know the, in some ways, the automotive industry was the was the opposite of <laughs> sustainability. The, this industry that created planned obsolescence. A lot of people credited, you know, Alfred Sloan, the president of GM at the time to create planned obsolescence when he was trying to compete with Ford. Hey, can I create a car that people want to upgrade every, every couple of years? Uh, and so, um, you know, I think at least I flow, I try to encourage everybody to think about, you know, if you're not sure about an answer or not sure about the direction to take on a product or a feature, usually if you think about sustainability, it gives you an answer and a clear direction to go.
1: Yeah, the the, the used EV market is interesting. I'm actually in the middle of writing an article where for an idea for federal incentives to encourage Used EV purchasing that would you know then trickle up to oh, yeah. you know new car buyers. Okay, they're more willing to sell their EVs sooner because they'll get a good resale value and an upgrade, as opposed to the trickle down approach. Because I know a lot of the cars that get traded in in the U.S. then get shipped elsewhere. Like I was I was give, presenting at a conference in Curacao and they got they had quite a number of electric cars there and they were getting them shipped from Miami or California. And I know a lot of markets, uh, you know. And Africa and Europe get Ukraine gets a ton of old leaves uh, from the US. So it's like uh, how do we keep them here so that we're maximizing their their use and 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 the ecosystem. But anyway, yeah, so interesting interesting points on that. I would also so where do you see the biggest opportunities for increased charging station adoption across the market right now? So yeah.
2: Um, the increased adoption, I think, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like our, our whole conversation. I think it's across board. Um, Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, at home, you're going to have to. And it's interesting, uh, you know, just to, to touch on the residential, there, there's this, there was this movement of everybody wanted to install this charger in the wall, the Tesla wall charger, as an example. You know, you hide an electrician, it's hardwired into the wall and all that. But as we all see now, a lot of, you know, in the forums and everywhere, people are recommending, no, don't, don't, don't do not don't a hard wall install, hardwire it, use an NEMA 1450 plug, right? Or need to use something else so that you can upgrade it. Or if you get a Ma and you switch to, uh, to a BWID-4, you know, they, they include a charger and you can see easy to a plug and plug where when you move, you know, residents, you can take the charger with you. You don't have to, you know, uh, hire another electrician. So, you know, th- th- I think because all segments are growing, it's, it'll be interesting to see where every segment is going to land. Right. What what is the residential EV charter going to look like in five to ten years? Probably very different to, than what it is today. Same thing with public charters. Uh public charters sometimes are installed in places that are not very, you know, in the dingiest corner of a parking lot or something. You
1: know, it's not there's a there's a there's a park playground near us that we use and there was a charger installed right next to this water this water treatment. Uh, this is a small, not like a large one, but a small one that always stunk. And it was like the charger was right next to it, and you're like, "Oh, yep. it stinks." Anyway, but,
2: <laughs> hey, but that, yeah, that, that that's a great example. I mean, like you don't put gas stations in the dingiest hidden corner of of a of a, of a, of a parking lot, right? And and as we know, like 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 in real estate, you know, it's location, location, location. You want it to be visible. You want it to be accessible. You want it to so, um, yeah, that that too, I think over the next five to 10 years, there's going to be a, a strong evolution of that. And you're going to see um, DC fast charters, for example, more prominently placed locations, more visible, more well lit with the nice amenities. Again, tying the experience conversation. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see where, where the industry is going to go. On, I'm just excited to be part of it.
1: So sort of prominent places where um, not only they'll catch people's attention, but they inspire people to come there. Or new developments where you know that's going to be a feature that they put next to the the kids' water park or something. To
2: yeah, we um, we actually did a survey. I don't remember when, um, must be a couple of years back. Um, and then uh, there, there was a, sh- uh, of a, of a group that owns shopping malls or own retail locations. And they said that the average dwell time at those commercial locations was 77 minutes with combustion engine uh, combustion engine vehicles. Uh, so when, when a customer comes in with their ICE internal combustion engine car, they will stay there for 77 minutes. Uh, well, with our chargers, we can actually tell how long they charge there. And we found out that for our customers who are charging their EVs, they stay 143 minutes so almost double
1: that's huge, that's, that's huge.
2: and so um yeah, and, and you can imagine the benefit that that can bring to, to a location so yeah you should put in a prominent location celebrate it right Not let people come in and and come to your location and enjoy your coffee or enjoy your you want coffee.
1: some ice cream <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. so uh, on that topic I have a little joke for you. It's a, <laughs> a, a big box store, a coffee shop, and a hotel. Walk into a bar and ask about charging stations. What are the key things you tell each of them to to get them up to speed and ready to buy and install a station?
2: Yeah, well, the <laughs> let's see, the big box store and the coffee shop, I would and tell a hotel. the seventy seven minute and the with one hundred forty three minute whatever uh, story. Um, you know, if if, you, if if you want people to you know, look at the average time that your customer stays at your location, and you, you might be able to double it. Right, if if, uh, if, you, if you install some EV chargers,
1: and so you've been making that pitch. Does is that something that just registers with that with people immediately? Is that, you if, know, they... that is,
2: if if the location, whatever the commercial location owner are EV drivers, it registers immediately. For somebody that that has not adopted an EV an EV car, they have to process it a little bit, but then mm-hmm. they, they they realize the value. Usually, if there are EV drivers, it's an easy, right, uh, sell to, to pitch to make. And in other commercial locations, you know, like like hotels, um, you know, that's, um, you know, the the biggest complaint I have from my friends uh, in the Southern United States and in Austin especially, is that now with COVID, they do a lot of road trips and Airbnb does, it's hard to find an Airbnb with a, you know with uh, that that prominently explains we have EV chargers here this is this <laughs> that's a level two or a level one or whatever and uh this is the the, the type of connector that, that's on it right um, it's hard to find so hotels if they can advertise and you know clearly say hey we have you know these chargers that are compatible with these vehicles and they're level two and they can charge to 75 kilowatt or whatever they they will get sizable business out of that as well
1: Stealing customers back from Airbnb seems like it'd be a, a good, a quick, good pitch for a hotel. <laughs> you know, be like, "Hey, you want some of those Airbnb users back? <laughs> yeah. Take a picture then, of your then, station.
2: Hey, if, if Airbnb wants to talk, we're all ears. Uh, flow, we would love to integrate with Airbnb too. So. <laughs> well, I remember <laughs> we, we, co-
1: we covered Airbnb, adding that as an element, you know, a feature that, that, yes. uh, that was like, I don't know, f- for, I don't know how long ago, some years ago it was. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, interesting how you explain that basically, it's not quite enough. If you, do, if you can't see the charger, you don't know what kind it is. You don't have enough information about it. You don't really want to book uh, an Airbnb without, you know, it yeah, seems it's... like a picture would, you know, people would have the sense to.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: To, to want to put pictures up, but um, who knows? Uh, so last thing here, I think, or one of uh, one, short one after that. So there's, there's a lot of EV charging station products on the market where we've developed a, a guide that, you know, is try to goes through and, and compare them a bit. And there, it's actually difficult because there's not that man, much detail on them on many websites. And I think as if I was shopping for one, you know, not knowing much, I would be really lost and confused. And I guess a key question, what are some things that customers should watch out for or ask about before ordering a product?
2: So I think there's sort of like, it's like the Maslow pyramid of needs, right? First, make sure that it works with your car. <laughs> so it has, to, it has to be able to charge your car. Your make and model, whatever whatever EV you have, uh, and then second safety. Make sure it doesn't burn down your house. Make sure that, that you know this was properly UL test, tested. That that you're able to. To check that the company is a is a is a, is a known company and an established, and, and and their products are safe uh, because high voltages and high current is, is no you know it's not a it's, it's not a toy it's 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 serious and you know uh, a neighbor's cut a couple of down uh, their electrician did a shoddy job and, and the garage burnt um, uh, from their actual EVSE they were using allegedly uh, aluminum wiring instead of copper wiring right so. Capability of a vehicle, uh, safety, you know, the Maslow pyramid of needs, that's, you know, you have to have that. And then the other things I think, it depends on the user, but, you know, in, in this this whole thread of experience and sustainability, I encourage everybody to look at uh, durability and reliability as one. Uh, you don't want to be changing it regularly and, and sort of goes against the whole ethos of, of, of driving a, a sustainable uh, vehicle. Um, and then also the design and experience that you're going to get out of it. You know, probably want to want a design to fit into the, you know, what would you, you know, if, if you invest so much in making sure that you have the right light fixture in your house, uh, but then you <laughs> probably want your EV chargers somewhat blended into that aesthetic or, or uh, so, you know, uh, that those would be other things, durability, reliability, and also the design and experience would, would be uh, uh, secondary things.
1: There's no third party evaluation of durability and reliability of stations on the market, right? It's sort of, you, you have to yeah. just look for uh, c- c- customer feedback and uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We um, you know, on, on our to give you an example on our side, our flow chargers, they're they're all diecast aluminum. They're they're rugged aluminum and um, yeah, you know. Some might say they're they're a little bit over-designed. Usually, people don't take a hammer at the, at the your EV charger, but you know we we decided to prioritize that. And so, um, but you're right. There's there's not a really uh, an entity. There's a couple of reviewing sites that would do these kind of testing just to see. You know, uh, in Eastern Canada, there's a there's a publication called Protégé vous which is uh, that, that does does those kind of reviews. But by and large, there's no standard.
1: Uh, and again, it's short short term, right? Or or do they? Well, yeah. But I mean, pointing out aluminum. I mean. Yeah, you want it to be able to last a decade or 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 more, hopefully, right? I mean, I assume like we have, that, thats yeah. exactly
2: what we say internally. It has to let, ideally last a decade or more, and as you know, electronics don't do well in heat, right? And the way you accelerate and test. Test the life of electronics that you put in an oven. You bake it and to try to see if it survives the baking. That's how you test the, the
1: longevity. And so, uh, and, they're, and they're all new too. I mean, we ha- have a Model Three, almost two years old, and the tr- <laughs> the trunk won't open right now. I'll have a story about it once. But basically, there's a there's a, a thing that takes the cables from the trunk area for the for the backup camera, the 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 trunk opener, and everything through the car. And so the backup camera was also going black sometimes. And so the guy came in and basically said something in there is broken, but they have to take it apart and order the part and all that. So I'm waiting right now. So, but I mean, but they was like, do you use your trunk a lot? I was like, well, I mean, I use my trunk. I have two kids. I use my, <laughs> my trunk. But they're like, well, we find what people use their trunk a lot. But he had never experienced it. Someone he knew in Texas had a few cases they had. But you see, it's just not even two years old. And But you, so, I mean, there's a lot to think about with products, new products, new markets. Uh, so I guess I a few final words on that. I mean, what do you do to make sure you you your whole system your whole station is is 10 going to last 10 years or more not have that kind of weird problem like like i mean obviously you're not you don't have a trunk on your stations but you know
2: <laughs> yeah we 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 will uh you know th- that's something that we 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 don't compromise on the reliability and the ruggedness so you know i, th- I think our, our residential charge is over 20 pounds if i'm not mistaken it's just a pretty hefty thing you know they were like oh we need to lighten it up but that means that we have to compromise on other things so we want to make sure that we use the best components so it's not something that 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 that, that we would compromise so we'll, we'll continue to you know, bake the charger and then oven will continue to test the durability of the cables and the connectors, you know, cycle them. Um, those are things that, that, that we, we take to heart so that, that, that won't change. The sustainable aspect of our company also won't change. We, we manufacture locally to, to minimize shipping and we, we use uh, sustainable energy, hydroelectric generate power to, to power a factory and in in the production of our product um, even down to the casting of the metals. So, you know, that, that also, I think will be part of our ethos and um, that that's part yeah, of it.
1: Our- yeah you're on the canadian west coast right yes exactly so you have like 99 clean energy or something it's very exactly. yeah. yeah which is the opposite of
2: where i live in austin which is uh predominantly coal and gas. <laughs> 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 a bit of a contrast yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah well that i mean so i mean i've basically heard repeatedly so i think this is probably repeatedly comes up on your teams uh you know a very strong focus on obviously the durability reliability that seems to be number one user experience um and oh, there's another oh, sustainability so these sort of seem to be like the kind of driving driving matters that you are pushing every day it sounds like um yeah. so i guess one final question do you have any teasers for the near future you could drop our listener anything we should look out for that is coming around the corner or or you can't say it can't give us teasers right uh, now but anything um, anything coming
2: i kind of almost want to share my screen but i obviously I can't so uh, uh um, you know the, the team is, is working on some really cool experiences. Uh, you know we 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 are building and we continue to build a really strong team. We have user researchers, industrial designers. You know, and we have experts from from also on the standards committee. So we're we're, we're working on some really cool new hardware and new uh, new applications and new mobile applications for for users. I think I mean Zach, your questions were very. Um, I, I think you, the way that you, that you, you know, the questions that you asked, and the, I think my answers give a little bit of hints of, of the things that we're looking at and, and, and we're planning to do. So I, I think I, I've already shared uh, enough.
1: Well, you mentioned experience for a second there, so I feel like I feel like there's some experience related stuff. So that's that sounds cool. That's a good yeah. teaser.
2: And so uh, I, I think yeah, this whole podcast I think has, has some good hints throughout the conversations. I think some people might kind of infer some of the things to come. But uh, the ne- the next next twelve plus months are going to be really exciting for us. And well, to
1: share. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if I was going to get anything on that teaser question, but that sounds that's exciting. That's intriguing. Now I'm going to have to listen to it again and look for clues. This is uh, sounds good. Well, thank you for what you're doing. You know, I think the the future of the EV market, the growth, the growth of the EV market rests on uh, a lot of things, but there's you know there's few really critical things, and EV charging is probably at the top of the table. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really uh, it's just really important that we have companies strongly focused on what you talked about those three things, durability, reliability, user experience, and sustainability. So I'm happy that, um, that flow is in existence and doing what you're doing and, uh, hopefully we collaborate again soon.
2: Yeah. And Zach, um, I hope I hope to talk to you again, maybe, uh, you know, sometime in the near future and, uh, maybe I'll have more to share at that point in time.
1: Yeah, I hope I get to join in whatever this experience is going to be. Yeah, <laughs> your prototype,
2: uh, okay, your beta tester for sure.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Enjoy. Thank you all.
0: This episode of Clean Tech Talk is sponsored by Flow, the maker of the Flow Home X5. The Flow Home X5 is an industry-leading home EV charging solution that features a stylish and durable aluminum casing and allows you to schedule, monitor, and optimize your charging via the Flow mobile app. Flow offers 24-7 customer support to help with installation and troubleshooting. To learn more about the Flow home, please visit store.flow.com. That's store.flo.com. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix.